Hello and welcome to the Automate and Delegate podcast. What should you not be doing in life, business, and building relationships? Every episode is high takeaway value with tips, tools, and stories you can implement today. Now to your host, Brad Stevens, lifetime entrepreneur, global speaker, and high performance expert. Well, everybody, welcome to another episode of Automate and Delegate Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Stevens, where we focus on what you should not be doing, how to fast track your life, business, and relationships. And uh, as always, we kick off our episode with uh, with a tool that you can use immediately in your life that maybe you haven't heard of before. And um, we've got third from our, our team that uh, always does a research and helps us out. So uh, he's going to dive into it for us. What you got? Hi, Brad. Hey, guys. So the tool that I have for you this week is named Text Video. So it is a video production tool that helps you generate engaging content for your organic posts and social media and paid ads as well. So it's an actual, um, and I think it's, I remember you talking about this one before, it's a, it actually shows how to do text messaging um, is sort of the, it looks like an actual live text message. A lot of us have scrolled in Facebook and you see where it's like a live text message of somebody text messaging someone else and always get kind of you know, engagement. And to confirm the what's the what's the exact URL for it for people that are listening want to check it out? It's txtvideo.com. Okay, txtvideo.com. Gotcha. Um, so these are these are the exact text videos that you kind of see on social media, right? When you're kind of scrolling through, how does how does it look? Yes, Brad, uh, that's the correct one. So it is something like a conversation that you can see on your mobile phone, and it is very engaging and. What's very surprising about these videos is that you don't need an expert to create this one. So I just found out that you just need to go into their platform and they all have these templates for you. So it's all web-based, so no need to download an application. You just go there in their website, then three steps would be what you need to do in order to have these engaging videos. So you just need to customize, so select your recipient. It could be somebody who is a mascot for your company. Uh, Select the skin, it could be an iMessage for iPhone users, uh, Facebook. Uh, You can personalize the conversation so you create the story yourself and publish. So it is hassle-free publishing, no video editing experience required. And it's so surprising. Yeah, in terms of pricing, Brad, there is no monthly cost. You just need to pay $67 and you're good to go. Just one time fee. Wow. Yes. We're so used to seeing all kinds of the videos with, you know, fantastic with people in them and faces and so forth. But yeah, I mean, anytime I see those, you know, even commercials you see on TV where all of a sudden it's like you're seeing an iPhone and it's like, you know, hey, mom. Yeah. Well, you know what I just found out about? Right. I learned about this. Right. And it's they're talking about a product. So it lets you make videos that look just like that. Um, and it, like you're saying, it sounds like you can make it look like a, an iPhone, a, maybe an Android phone, or, or even Facebook Messenger, which is really cool. Awesome. Everybody check that out. That's a great, great tool um, that you can quickly make some, some neat videos and produce good conversion on Facebook ads. All right. And as always, you can go to um, automatedelegate.com, which is our website for the podcast, automatedelegate.com forward slash tools. And I uh, see this tool and a bunch of others that, uh, that we've got there, over 200 of them, uh, you can download and, uh, and check out. So, um, and we do have some relationships with some of the tool companies, right? But it's because we believe in them and use them every day ourselves. So um, check them out. 
All right, on to our guests for today. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining another episode of Automate and Delegate, what you should not be doing, how to fast track uh, key elements of your life, your business, and, and your relationships. And this is going to be a fantastic, super high takeaway. Uh, if I found somebody that talks as fast as I do, I've, I've, I've nailed it here with our guest, uh, Rich uh, Mulholland, who's going to be uh, joining us today. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. It is amazing to be with you, Brad. I look forward to speaking fast and sharing faster. <laughs> So to give a little background on Rich, uh, you know, he and I got a chance to know each other. We're both members of an uh, entrepreneur's organization and uh, just but he and I have shared resources. We're both kind of tech junkies and tools and automation and efficiency. Um, you know, Rich has spoken over 30, you know, 30 countries on six continents. Um, he's a, a self-proclaimed uh, rock and roll roadie turned entrepreneur. Um, he knows firsthand the impact that memorable pre presentations can make. Uh, you see a presentation from this guy. It's very different than any other Zoom presentation with all the techniques that he uses. Um, and that's why he works with executives and speakers around the world, helping them deliver unforgettable presentations that activate audiences and generate income. He's the founder of presentation powerhouse Missing Link and has written three books, Legacide, Boredom Slayer, and Storyteller, and was a former president of the EO South Africa chapter and was a great mentor for me as I've been president for the Atlanta chapter this past year and been thankful for his insights there. So, um, Thanks again for being here, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, All right. It's so we're going to incredible to have the opportunity. So we're going to jump in. And as you know, kind of the format that we like to uh, jump in, we're going to do three challenges we're going to talk about. And I'm just going to give uh, just Rich, give you a little preview of kind of his background, but uh, just brief little summary of who he is, what they're doing, what they're up to uh, right now, and, and kind of what's the bigger impact or purpose that they're looking to have in the world. So it's been very tricky for us. The, the, the last year was obviously a big change. We were in the online, we were in the event space, so the live event space, creating presentations for live audiences. The, what I thought was going to be a challenge, I realized was a massive opportunity, and that was uh, the opportunity that we could scale what we were doing in a way that we'd never thought of before. So now we had more reach because it was more stages than ever before because everybody is having a, a Zoom event and a Teams event the next day and podcasts. What we've got is more stages than we've ever had at any time in human history. So as a business, our challenge is very simple. We want to help ordinary people deliver extraordinary presentations because I think a, a well-crafted presentation can really, really change uh, humans. However, one of the key challenges that is, and I guess this is a segue into that, one of the key challenges is that it has changed the entire way. We'd been a business that was built around the church of the customer, word of mouth referrals, do all of these great things. And if you, you know, sent a tweet in South Africa asking for somebody who helps you with presentations, I would guarantee you, you would come to us. But now the geographical handcuffs have been taken off and we can work all over the world and we are working all over the world. We actually are really having to navigate this space of becoming a big marketing-led business because in the past we were a, a sales-driven, but I would say word-of-mouth-led business. And I fell in love with that concept, but it's bloody slow when you want to do it at scale. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys have had head, head on in the COVID world, um, you know, what a lot of had to deal with in the presentation space. What's amazing is you guys just demonstrated tremendous agility um, and has transformed yourself to, to identify where the new challenges are and where you can add value, uh, you know, for organizations. And I've seen him speak for EO and others uh, and just bring a lot uh, of value with the content that, that you share with everybody. So, let's jump into, and as you know, the format, I'd like to um, get an idea of just Three key challenges, two to three kind of key challenges that, that our guests have experienced. What was their constraint point? Because we're all about automate, delegate, redefining how you scale and efficiency. 
And so trying to look at some specific challenges and specific tools, resources, strategies to kind of overcome those. Um, so Rich, what's the first one? What would you say is first one you'd like to share with this key growth issue or challenge and how you resolved it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the three of them. They're going to sound flippant. And I'm going <laughs> to let you hit on the first one, whichever one you think is the most important. And as flippant as they sound, they're just, they're just not. Sure. I was lazy, challenge number one. I was bored, challenge number two. <laughs> and I was comfortable, challenge number three. And I don't mind which one you want to dial into, but these are the three biggest problems trying to get me to scale. And so we can tackle any one of those and, 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 and see where we well, go. Lazy sounds like a good start. <laughs> so the lazy challenge kind of, where, where did, uh, what'd you do to get off the couch? <laughs> well, I don't think I have yet. That's the problem. So I think, uh, so there's one of the biggest mistakes, one of the biggest frustrations for me as an entrepreneur, especially as an entrepreneur who's in some ways the face of the business, is that people believe that you know how to run a business. And I, you know, I started the company when I was 22. And as you mentioned, I was a roadie before that. I toured with bands doing their lighting. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I still really don't have any idea what, 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 what I'm doing. I must tell you, I was sitting down because we're going through the scaling up process and I'm trying to read Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up. And I understand this guy is a deity. Oh my goodness. That is the <laughs> most boring book I've ever read in my entire life. And I sit there and I read the pages and I'm thinking, what do you mean when you have 400 people, a mid-level manager? That doesn't sound like a nice business to me. That sounds like punishment for shoplifting. Like I do not aspire <laughs> to that level of growth. So what I mean by lazy is that I cannot bring myself to read financial statements. I can't get excited about <clears throat> doing the kind of day-to-day -day business operation stuff that a lot of people love. And I used to try to do it and then put it off and try to do it and put it off. And, you know, delegate and automate, like uh, for me, it had to be delegated. If it wasn't delegated, it was done wrong because it was done by me. And I don't want to do work I don't like doing. Or maybe selfish is better than lazy. I... Because I think lazy is actually a, a skill. I think lazy means we're trying to find better ways of doing things. If you're diligent, if you just carry on doing things because it has to be done, you'll never look for shortcuts. And I always want to find shortcuts. But selfish, I don't want to do work that I hate. And like I've chatted to you, I, I have to believe. The first call I had with Brad, uh, we ended, we were chatting. I can't remember why we were chatting, but we called back the next week and we spoke for another hour and a half. <laughs> and I must say, I've never made more notes from any casual call with any other human being than with this guy. I, you're <laughs> the king of shortcuts and, and, and better, finding better ways. Like, I feel like you have to feel the same way about this in some Absolutely. Parts. Yeah. I mean, you've got to. You got to be passionate to want to find a more efficient way of, you know, of doing things. I mean, it's, uh, it's ultimately about, you know, as we talked about, it's getting everybody to their highest and best use of, of time, right? I mean, call it, you can call it lazy or optimize. I mean, for me, I just always constantly seek optimization. I don't care if it's brushing my teeth or if it's launching a business. I want to do it the most efficient way possible and not do the things that aren't the best use of my time. And I find myself having, you know, less patience. I mean, you know, you and I are both are capable of doing a lot of certain tasks, but at the end of the day, that's not the highest and best use of our time, that our feet need to hit the ground every day that we're passionate about, and it's going to deliver the most value, most happiness for us individually, and also the most value for, you know, our organizations. Um, and delegation is critical, you know, to that process. What you can be lazy about is being able to get some of those things communicated to other people in the process. It's like, hey, I want to get this off my plate, but, you know, it does take a little bit of some process documentation, getting things unpacked out of your brain. Um, but as you know, I've talked about, there's easy ways of doing that, you know, like screencast recording and so forth. You can get your brain unpacked and to get it to somebody else to take care of. Yeah, you're like a screencast-o-matic guy. I think I'm a Loom guy. Yeah, uh, Loom's another great tool. There's been a, several <clears throat> tools that we've been using. I don't know if you've tried uh, Descript.com at all of late. No, I haven't. Okay. 
Descript, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T.com. This is incredible. So you go on there. So I can record a video for my team and I can be like, okay, I want one person to see this because by the way, I'm totally buying the one thing that I'm not lazy about and I'm equally passionate about is the communication aspect. Like right. I love that. It gets me <laughs> awake in the morning. So you go to Descript and then it kind of, obviously it automatically transcribes everything. But then what you can do is a few things. So if I want to edit the video, I can just like copy the, what, the word document and move little bits, delete a sentence and the sentence is deleted and the video is edited. I can say like remove all filler words and it removes all filler words from everything that I've said. So if I say, um, or, you know, or things like this, but then let's say I recorded something last week. In fact, in one of the outsource access onboarding videos is a bit where obviously a price was changed later on and you can hear this new bit of recording. Right. So in the script, it's actually incredible. I love it because what you can do is you would train your voice. So it learns the, you know, Brad algorithm of your voice. So you now do a video and you say, you know, we did this three weeks ago and you're like, oh crap, it was four weeks ago. You retype the word four over the word three and then it's magically says we did this four <laughs> weeks ago. It is insanely good. At how I can't believe I've not heard about this. I just pulled up the website as you're talking about it. This is incredible. Watch ah. the explainer video. It'll blow your mind. And then another one, <laughs> I just want to add in, this is more for repurposing. We're going off topic here, but it's related <laughs> to the script. Milk.video. Milk.video. Obviously, I believe that, that people should, thought leaders and entrepreneurs should market their business from the stage. I believe stage marketing, you know, you earn your money for a talk and from a talk. Right. But every time I get off a, a stage, I did a talk uh, two weeks ago for Zoom. They invited a million people, like 4,000 came. It didn't matter. <laughs> After that, though, I had 30 minutes of great content. You imported to Milk, the same kind of thing with these little transcripts, but it cuts it into these little bite-sized videos that are so easy to share. It's a little gift. It's kind of descript. Like little gifts, like little animated little, gift kind of things? Well, little animations you can embed on LinkedIn or little videos, but it has your full transcript. You can edit things. Again, remove the um words, the filler words. You can put the content there. You can add other things. Basically, it's, it's AI-driven video editing or it's editing videos that for use on social media using your long-form content like your webinars or your events with the ease of editing a Word document. It's insane. Milk.video. I, I, I found that on Product Hunt last week which is basically everything Everything I tell you is I found on Product Hunt the week before. I am obsessed with Product Hunt. Yeah, it's a great Product Hunt. If you're looking to uh, just get an onslaught of new tools and technology, Product Hunt, you go to it and, and it just releases all kinds of new little tech tools. And it's amazing how it seems like it's a little tool, but just like you and I have talked about with like Zoom and, and I mean, uh, Loom and Screencast-O-Matic, I mean, I would attribute a, a million dollars plus in value I've gotten just from using a Screencast-O-Matic tool. Hopefully they don't hear that and change pricing on me. But when it, at the end of the day, what <laughs> it's meant those little tools are such, they can be not just a little, oh, that's a little efficiency gainer. It can be a game changer in how you do business, you know, across the board. And to your point, when it comes to video and distribution and content, which everybody's trying to do these days, if you got to produce content at scale and you got to get it out there at scale, which a lot of people struggle with. Um, and if you take, you know, VA resources coupled with some of these technology resources, it's amazing what you can get out there fast and quickly. Yeah, totally. And for, for us as well, like, because... And you know, obviously, my assistant, um, you know, from is, yeah. uh, you know, uh, about five time zones away from me. And the, the <laughs> thing is that so much has to happen asynchronously. So I don't want to lose any time during the day. So I'm out there uh, presenting. Uh, I've got an idea. I will share it with her via a Loom recording. And in the morning, I wake up and I've got a screencast back that has details on things. I can comment on specific parts of it. So I'm communicating, but I'm just not having to do it face to face so much. 
And a lot of people said, yes, but like you want to see people face to face. Sure. But we want to do that on our huddles when we share our highs and lows and are stoked from the week. I don't, it doesn't, right. it's not an efficient way to share detail in a meeting environment. People detail is best shared in these communication tools where they can go back and see it later. This is a way, way bigger upgrade on a meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and, and then your meeting can be more about, you know, I talk about a lot of times doing those, those tools um, whenever you're sending sales proposals over, you know, to record and do a run through of the PDF document, when you're going to email it over, do a run through of it first, let them watch it, ask questions, maybe other stakeholders that are involved in the process. Then when you have your call, right, it's just about closing the deal, not having to explain all the nuances because they probably didn't read that whole PDF, you know, anyway, a lot of times. Um, so yeah, get the minutia out of the way. Do you use BombBomb or Dub? For your, I've heard of BombBomb. I have not personally used BombBomb. But, uh, but no, I haven't, I've heard of it, but I haven't used it. So it's a game changer for me. Can I, can I go down yeah. that rabbit hole for a second? Yeah. Just, I think it's a great tool. This is so great stuff. I, again, I'm a speaker, right? So I have, to, I have to get myself out there because, again, I want to market myself on people's stages. So I knew that Zoom had an event coming up called Zoomtopia. So I sent them a bomb bomb video, uh, with, you know, showing uh, their, you know, their Zoomtopia logo. And I said, hey, Zoomtopia, I want to speak <laughs> at that. And then they said, they mailed me back and they said, hey, we, uh, you know, you missed this one already, but would you be willing to do a standalone webinar for us? And I was like, well, that's probably <laughs> even better because that's sure. all my audience. So I did that and I did it three weeks ago. They got back to me and now they booked me to do a webinar a month to their audience. Now, before you ask, huge. Uh, people say to me like, would you, you know, did you, a lot of people, the first question everybody asks me is, oh, how much are they paying you? I was like, dude, I would pay them. Uh, sure. This one of my biggest, <laughs> it's amazing to me how often people say, oh, you know, you can't pay your bills with exposure. That's the only thing you can pay your bills with. You know, you tell <laughs> someone actually Sinek says that pay his bills. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, you know, these people are always trying to make freelancers work for free. Uh, there are certain gigs that I would pay to speak at. And um, anyway, so I sent them a bomb bomb. And because it's me on video talking about what I want to do, it's a little video based animated gift that appears yeah. in your in your email and you click on it and the link appears and um, because of that i got booked that so then i tried with prezi the the big company that's the software <laughs> that i use for presenting primarily so yeah. i sent them one and i used prezi in the bomb bomb and then they came back they booked me to do a webinar i did that that was really successful and i'm doing another one in, in a week and a half so like it's incredible when you just present yourself everybody's got to give themselves an unfair advantage and if you're not looking at the technological tools that we have at our disposal to give yourself that, you're really not playing the game. And this is, this is where positive laziness comes into play because recording a quick one-minute video with life and everything is so much easier than writing a big, long email. This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access, the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistance and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com slash learn to learn more and use code automate to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process. Oh, completely. And people consume it way faster than they will ever consume, you know, kind of written content. I mean, we're in a video visual world more than ever with COVID and people are consumed more than ever with it. So if you want to get content consumed, you better be, you know, in that format. Well, congratulations, man. Those are huge opportunities that you made happen. I mean, that's a perfect example of using technology, using creativity, which is entrepreneurs. That's part of what our gift is, the, the vision, the idea, the creativity, the concept. But then these tools let you execute on them um, and, and convert it, you know, very quickly. So those are huge audiences. That's fantastic. Yeah, all right, so that was kind of that was a lot to cover in the lazy category for sure. So I can't imagine we get to the uh, uh, so when you say you know another challenge was you know being bored. So 
how would you uh, say as far as that from a challenge and, and which of these uh, nifty tools helped address that? So, so let me just start with the board. The board thing was that, again, when I started a company, it was exciting and fun and everything was interesting and, uh, you know, it was all, everything felt new and everything <clears> felt amazing. And after, you know, 10 years, everything felt exactly the same. So I'm a one-trick pony. You know, I keep on coming back to talk about presentations because that's literally all I do, right? That's, that's our space. But when you deal with a big banker in one day and a big insurance company the next day, the, 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 way, the variations of the content that I was sharing was basically the same day in, day out. So I was having Groundhog Day style life and yeah. I, I didn't feel like it was a challenge. And then when I started doing public speaking, the ego, the excitement of being on a stage uh, originally talking about cool new ideas and different things was so much more fulfilling for me than running a business that I got carried away and I, and I started speaking about, my, like my first book is on legacy thinking and innovation. It's got nothing to do with what we do as a business. You know, and I was doing different things and just because I wanted to be this generally smart guy and because I love learning new things. So I was so bored in my business that it became so easy to be distracted by public speaking. And, or, and the one slight halo effect is that every time I'm public speaking, it is a little bit of an advert for my business. But now I basically only do public speaking about my area of authority. And so it's got a bit better, but I was so bored in my business and the tech tool that unboarded me very quickly was COVID because it attacked my business in such a big way that I was forced to get interested again. But I don't know. I mean, have you ever got to a point where you've kind of fallen out of love with what you do? Yeah. I mean, things can get, you know, from a routine standpoint, you need that shocker as far as, you know, kind of address it and I was, you know, before we launched Outsource Access, you know, I was doing a ton of consulting and just going in and got really good at it, but it just got to where it felt kind of automatic. Go in, help people assess their constraint points and then kind of matching them to, to resources, but wasn't, you know, building and grow. I mean, the organization wasn't growing and I wasn't building something bigger. Um, it was, you know, doing a lot of consulting and speaking. It was me and, a, you know, a handful of people. And so it was wanting to that, that itch to build something and solve the problem in a, in a different kind of way. And I kept getting frustrated for myself. I kept getting frustrated in, in, with how companies weren't delivering and how they were performing. And so for me, it was an itch to want to solve that, you know, solve that problem. So, yeah, I think it was a combination of boredom and frustration that, that I got with doing that process over and over again. I'd gathered enough information to let me kind of build my own operation. Um, and now we're, you know, quasi-infinitely scalable in sort of what we do. Uh, so it's, it's feeding that inch. It's, it's the most aligned I've ever been personally as an entrepreneur and, you know, being in this space that, that we're in now. And it sounds like to you, I mean, just from the journey of where you are and what COVID has done, this is probably the first time I will, or probably the last time I'll ever hear is COVID as the actual tech tool uh, or the uh, biological warfare tool, if, if we will, uh, depending on how you look at this thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think well, it's been huge for everybody to stimulate that transition. So COVID wasn't the problem for my business. So because COVID was like the, the, the fire in the corner of the movie house. That wasn't, I wasn't getting burnt. I was getting trampled by the people running for the door, right? Mm -hmm. So people canceling events, that was the problem I was up against. And so when you find the real problem, the other side of that coin is always going to be the real solution. So people leaving live venues and things was the problem that I had to solve. And then the solution became relatively easy. And what this has done has been a dramatic acceleration for me with online events, so let's talk about this. And it is essentially a little bit of tech. In fact, there's one little cool little tech I'd like to share here in this. Yeah. But the, the first thing was that drove people online. 
that meant one, that location didn't matter. So as a speaker, I didn't have to travel. I could stay with my family. As a coach, I could work with speakers all over the world. Like we've got coach, we got you know speakers from Australia to Alaska, literally. And uh, but but more importantly, all of a sudden, it was less about just me and the stage and the screen. It was now about how I could interact in this new space using all of these digital tools. So it became exciting again. Uh, you know, before the, the most interesting tool I carried with me was what brand of clicker that I had. Now <laughs> I'm, I'm no longer a speaker. I'm a stage manager. I'm standing on a stage every day, controlling the lighting, the scenes, everything that I want to appear at a different time. And that's ignited my passion. And one of the tools and the one I mentioned I wanted to share, like for those of you watching on screen, but is is I've started using Prezi Video or Prezi itself. And I, it was a tool that I, you know, we used before, but I hated because it was all novelty, no utility. Whereas now, like it's all utility. If I'm chatting to a client and we want to talk about online events, I'll click there, get into this part of the presentation, and then I can start presenting. But it's no longer just me beside my slide. I'm now inside my slide. And that's been a game changer. So I've had to rethink everything I know about my craft. And there's nothing better than being a beginner with 20 years of experience. Because when you're a beginner with 20 years of experience, you get to learn all over again, but you, you're already sprinting. I have been uh, gluttonous on new tech, new ideas, new things. We've been reinventing as much as we possibly can. And I've not been more excited than this in years. And it's, it's, we're nowhere close to stopping because things are just changing more and more and more and more. And it's amazing. I'll tell you, Prezi, when you came and spoke to, to our group and saw, you know, it, at the end of the day, when you've seen your 4,000th Zoom presentation, you got to bring some spice to the experience. You're getting people, you know, engaged. And it was really innovative to kind of see and bring people in and engage in the content from that perspective. Um, have you seen, I haven't seen, I mean, I've seen a ton of speakers. I haven't seen anybody else utilize it and leverage it uh, to the extent you guys have. Is, is Prezi just as far as getting the word out there, I'm surprised more people haven't engaged it. I'm just so blown away by how people are solving all the wrong problems. So everybody's, everybody's thinking about, like, I love what you've done. I love that you've got an actual real screen behind you and how you can engage with that. And we spoke about that from the very first day we chatted. Yeah. It's amazing to me when I look at how everybody's so caught up in, you know, I see all the chats and it's basically the equivalent in the view, excuse me for the term, but of, of kind of, it's like a measuring competition. Uh, now, like, oh, how many cameras and lenses do I have? And I'm using a DSLR that can see Mars. And, and then I've got these 20 lights. I've got these 30 screens. What do you need 30 screens for? I don't understand. Like, why are you using 30 screens? In fact, I don't even think it's efficient because I see a lot of people sitting there and then you see them looking away because they're glancing off and then they're looking at this monitor here and they've got 20 camera angles. And I'm sure there's a time when a camera angle is good, but I'm not sure it's the real thing we should be focusing on. So we've got to focus on the better problem, which is how can I use the space that I'm in to better direct human attention? And people just aren't doing it well enough. This talk that I'm doing next, well, the talk that I will have done by the time that you hear this is about the idea of changing a relationship and thinking outside the slide. We no longer design slides. Now we must design scenes. And we have several tools. And when you start with that paradigm, you start thinking about it. Okay, cool. So I, there's a presenter, there is set, there are props, there are visuals, and there are videos that I can control all of them from just you know pushing one button. How am I going to use all of that to help um, control my audience's attention? And if you, if you let me go down this for one more second, yeah, please understand this. That when you're speaking to an audience today and presenting to an audience today, 
if you're presenting to them, like you said, everyone's seen a thousand Zoom calls, the instant you stop being interesting, they even if they're listening, so the first, the first step back of interesting is I'll listen, but I'll do something else. The moment you lose them to that, you're okay if it's on a Peloton, you know, doing a workout, <laughs> but you lose them as soon as you check a mail because people can't process information that way. Yeah. So I used to say to people, you have to do 60 slides an hour. You know, you've got to, like a slide a minute is a good running pace. Now on presenting online, I've doubled that. 120 slides an hour. I'm going to content faster. There's not more information. It's just, I've got to remain visually interesting to my audience over and over and over again. And having, realizing that not every bit of content is a full slide or a full scene, realizing that having nothing on the screen is a full scene has been empowering. So we need to redefine how we see this. Oh man, sorry, you got me <laughs> off on a tangent there and I realized I went way off, but thanks for, thanks for going with it. Well, no, I mean, I'm nodding my head because I completely agree with you. I mean, my, my, you know, I do a lot of 90 minute webinars for, you know, for, for uh, business organizations and I, you know, I have about 90 slides, uh, 95 slides that, that I go through it. And everybody sees that and when I send it ahead of time, they're like, you're new 90 slides. I'm like, look, it's going to be high energy, fast paced. I've got to keep, you know, and, and to your point too, if, you know, on Zoom or, or virtually, you got to have 5X the energy that you would in person to get the same energy across, you know, on the other side. And so you've got to be willing to step it up. I mean, I must feel when I get done with a 90 minute webinar, it's like, I want to go sit in the chair, and just relax. It's almost like I just did, did a Peloton session. If you've done it properly and given all the energy, you know, with it, and then you have fast paced slides, both of those together is what's going to keep people engaged. So we are certainly aligned there. And keep you engaged, which matters, right? Because now you're working. You're, you're, you've got... <clears throat> You know, if you're doing 90 minutes, you're probably presenting for 60 and chatting for 30 and you're doing 90 slides in those 60 minutes. You're like banging through those things, keeping a pace going, doing these things like you're keeping yourself wired up. It's actually why yeah. I always present standing up as well, uh, because like I want to remind myself that I'm, you know, I've got to show up, speak up and shut up. Like I've got to be I've got to be uh, presenting with energy. So that standing is a small hack, but I think more people should. Do it is. I mean, I'm going to stand at desk myself and it makes, it makes all the difference. I stand about half the day and sit about half the day. And it's a, another small factor that makes a, makes a big difference. Well, fantastic, man. Well, uh, I think the last one you talked about was, so we covered lazy, we covered board and uh, we'll take a quick dive into comfortable before we close out. And so you're talking about comfortable. Is that kind of tied into the board? Is there anything specific takeaway on that one? No, the comfortable was two things is that I believe as an entrepreneur, I think that uh, defining what your enough is, is very, very empowering. Uh, the problem is, you know, so because I see that the one problem with an organization like EO is, you know, in the Olympic games of being rich, you're not even going to make the EO team. You know, there's always somebody who's wealthier than you, better than you and all of these things. And uh, I realized like, well, I was starting to, you know, that comparison is the thief of joy quote, comparing myself, like, why am I not driving this car living? Uh, one of my wife's forum uh, buddies has a house with an, a lift that goes up three levels. You know, we don't have a lift. <laughs> like, but then I realized I've got enough. And as soon as I realized I'm very, very happy in my life, I've got my board games, I've got a great family, everything's incredible. I realized that I could tap out a bit. So my business was in cruising altitude. And that was a problem as I became so comfortable that it was hard to be, it's hard to be hungry when there's always enough to eat. Right. So that's what happened is my business paid the bills every year. It was consistently good. We'd been in business for uh, 24 years and, you know, we've made profit every year and it's just been easy. And that was a huge problem because how do you find your, your gas, your give a shit if, if you're, if you, if you don't need it. 
And I'm not inherently greedy. I, you know, I, I buy into that mindset that there's two ways to be wealthy. The one is to make more, the one is to need less. And uh, I'm of the need less category. Like, I think that's, that's where I live. But one day I realized that, and this, I guess, ties in with the lazy, is that I'd tapped out of my business and I have a professional leadership team who run it, but they're not comfortable. They're not rich. So it's easy as the business owner. And as soon as I realized that, like, my job isn't to just build a business that gets to the point where the person at the top has enough money. I have to build a business that the person at the bottom has enough money. And as soon as I realized that, it changed my paradigm. And that's just been something that we've been really thinking about. So I've had to grow up a little bit. That's a great mindset. I mean, it's, it's, you got a whole stratification of team members that you have to remember, you know, doing the whole, the whole process. And it's, it's what does your role shift to as well? Once you get that professional management team, you know, now I've been fortunate in my business to kind of get that layer. And we talked about, we used EOS uh, traction as kind of our implementation uh, system. That's been a, a phenomenal framework. You haven't explored that definitely you know, check out uh, EOS. Um, but it's, it's allowed to get that cadence and that infrastructure in place um, where, where my shift has now been more, from a visionary strategic standpoint, I'm able to kind of move in that direction and keep my hunger excited about that. Because uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, once it gets to a place where it's cranking and producing consistently, um, but then it's, well, what is that next you know, tier up of growth and expansion and you know, strategic partnerships and relationships? And fortunately, you know, depending on what the nature of business, I mean, how quickly, you know, how much can you scale? What are the constraint points? Um, and the nature of your business and of mine, there's just tremendous scalability, you know, in multiple directions that you can continue to, to dive into. So, I mean, what would you say now is sort of what gets you up and you're most excited? You got kind of your senior management team kind of running things and, and driving things. What, what are the couple of things that are just excite you the most when you wake up that you get to hit the ground? You're like, I get to do X today. What are those things that really are driving you now moving forward? I've divided my day into three parts. And this sounds like one of these things that you hear on Tim Ferriss and you think, oh, everybody says this, but it's just <laughs> not true. But this is genuinely it. So I've divided my day into three parts. I use time blocking a lot. I don't know if you guys use time blocking. I'm a huge so fan my of it. diaries yeah. are managed. Yeah, I use a tool called Woven for booking, but also for time blocking. And um, the first third of my day is curation. So I do a lot of reading. I've got a, you can't really see it, but I've got a really comfortable chair over there. I do a lot of reading, a lot of consumption of information. I'm always doing two or three online courses, trying to get better in different fields. The second part of the day is creation. So I believe that every time I get to spend learning, I owe my business, because I've been paid a salary by my business to do that. So I owe my business to create the content out of it and to both share that with my team internally, because that's my only job now. I'm basically just a visionary. I'm, I'm basically just the head mentor and the chief evangelist. Those are the two things that really, really is what I have to do. Uh, so that's the second part of my day. And the third part of my day is communication. And that is recording a podcast like this, but it's also sitting in a client meeting where I can add value or delivering a talk that can drive stuff to our business. And every single day I've structured into making sure that I have curation time, uh, creation time and communication time. And my assistant is a beast on those things. And she knows like if she wants to cut into it, say it's like reading a book and somebody needs an urgent meeting, she'll still phone me to make sure like, listen, is this okay for this one? This does seem urgent. I'd like to put it in your diary. Uh, but she protects that time because she, she understands it's important. And I think it is. Yeah, we have no choice. And that's the biggest thing. I found myself blocking out more and more and more of my calendar. And so now it used to be partial days. Now it's all Mondays and all Fridays completely blocked off. And I do a similar thing. I kind of shift entire days of activities um, with Mondays are fully blocked off. Fridays are blocked off. And 
and I do a similar kind of, that, that, that's my comfy chair back there where I do my uh, information consumption. And uh, you know, to your point, actually, uh, just got a, a whole revisit of Jim Collins content. Our, our EOS implementer had us read Good to Great together as a management team. And it was like reading again for the first time being, first time I read it was in my late 20s. Oh. And, um, and he's got an, his, his website. If anybody hasn't checked out Jim Collins, hopefully everybody here knows him. I mean, he's one of the most prolific management writers. And on his website, he's, curate, he's con- consolidated all the key points of his books. Great by choice, Good to Great, How the Mighty Fall, um, all into one and, and built to last. Uh, into one map concept that only a lot of people know exists out there. And it ties all those concepts together into one concept. And he created a monograph to his book called uh, Turning the Flywheel. It's about an hour and a half listen. I could not recommend every entrepreneur more to listen to that. Wow. It ties all his key concepts of his books together into one hour and a half listen. And this thing he has on his website called The Map. And uh, I'm actually taking our, our board, our EO Atlanta board through it in a four-month curriculum I put together. Um, but it's, it's that the kind of stuff that we get a chance to spend time in, not turning the crank in the weeds. And that's what really leads to leverage and growth of the business is when I can live and breathe in that space, just like what you're doing, that's where we can really bring a lot of value to our companies um, and strategic direction and focus. Because uh, it, I mean, it really is the blueprint of how to build an amazing firm. Uh, I just never really kind of saw it when I you know, consumed the content initially. So, well, very good, sir. You know what I realized, and if you could, yeah. if you could just go one second on this, is that... So I do read, like as I mentioned, I'm reading Scaling Up and I've read Good to Great a lot. So I'd love to consume this content. But I think sometimes entrepreneurs and business people read too narrow. So I read a ton of fiction, I read it, but I read all different types of books because it's amazing how often uh, information that you need to, to read that makes you smarter w- appears from the oddest places. You'll read a case study in a book that was actually about a totally different thing, but it just landed for you. Mm-hmm. I read about, um, I was reading a mathematics uh, paper by Richard Feynman, and um, he talks about cargo cult theory. And it's actually a scientific, it's a problem and a measurement criteria for scientists to measure the validity of the work that they're doing. But when I read it, I was like, this is presentations. This is exactly, and now it's been in every one of my talks. When you look too narrow, when you look in the main, you know, the top 10 books on Amazon or the top page on Google, you, you, you're going to be landing in very, very average territory. I think people need to look wider. And on that, just I want to see your um, uh, uh, good to great to you, Jim Collins, and I want to call a, a different book that's so left field, but I think it's my book of 2021, and that is Green, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I've been listening. I heard. I listened to that Spotify. Oh, those songs. I, I mean, I listened to the songs on that Greenlight Spotify, and he kind of tells stories and he plays songs. That's the only thing I've heard, though. Is it a whole book content? So it's his entire book. I liked it so much. So I got the Audible book. I was recommended it by a client I was doing a speaking gig for. So I bought the Audible book. Now, again, if you're anything like me, you probably listen to most of your Audible books on one point five times. Uh, in fact, most of your 1. listeners 8. are probably listening to us. Uh, yeah, at 1.8, we'll speak slower just to mess with you. <laughs> but I was, I walked out here. So I was actually on my one wheel and I was one wheeling out to the shops. And when I got there, when I was got out past her gate, I was like, no way, this is too good. I want to hear this in all its glory because he reads his book. It's one part life story, one part philosophy book, but he is so smart. I liked it so much that I finished it and I went and I bought the hardcover for the shelf because I need a highlighter and I need to go through that <laughs> book. It is in, I think I'm overselling it. It's incredible. So good. 
All right. Well, I'll line it up. At, at, I didn't know there was a book. I, honestly, I was looking for new things on Spotify to listen to. And uh, I just posted in the chat, if you'd look at it, that's uh, his green lights and he's just got uh, songs that he does. And he, and he gives a little kind of preview about it and why he's so connected to that song. That's the only reference point. I had no idea it was a book, but this is a whole uh, playlist that he has associated with it as well. So oh, wow. It's funny. I just stumbled across oh, it. It's funny you mentioned that. So I'll, I'll have to check the book. I had no idea. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for, uh, now we've covered a lot. Hopefully anybody that's listened to this, you should have a, a, a page of notes and tools and resources um, that are, and, and he briefly mentioned it, but check out Woven. If you love Calendly, that's an automatic booking tool. It's one I've always talked about, but, but uh, Rich always seems to one-up me on a tool that's even better. And, uh, and so Woven sounds like a fantastic one. So check that one out that does booking, but a bunch of other automation kind of components and features to it as well. Yep. All right. So we will close out here with kind of the final question I'll ask Rich. And, um, and uh, as we head out to the, Final notes of the show and ask Rich, you know, if you could choose just one characteristic most crucial for being a successful entrepreneur, right? There's all kinds of different things that are components of it, but if you had to narrow it down, you could only take one with you on an island, um, you know, what would it be? I only need one. It's curiosity. <laughs> curiosity is everything. It's the God particle. Right? Be curious, be ruthlessly curious about the world around you. And uh, I think you're off to a good start. Entrepreneurs, <laughs> what do we do? We fix problems and we fill gaps. That's it. Uh, we basically look around the world for things that are broken and find a way of making them work better. And uh, that is a byproduct of curiosity. In fact, I think that curiosity is the common bond between most entrepreneurs I know, is we're always curious to try and find a better way to do things. This show is a study in curiosity. It's about how can we find better ways of doing what we what we need to get done in more efficient ways to optimize our time. Yeah, I mean, it ultimately comes down to uh, optimization. I mean, I really key to, if anybody's seen uh, the Netflix documentary Inside the, the Mind of Bill Gates, um, it's a phenomenal, I don't know if you've seen that one yet, but it's incredible. And when he was asked the yeah, question, so why do you do what you do? And he's just like, optimization. And, and I, I, I resonated so much with that because it's, Ultimately, if you get to that place, right, that's where, where happiness and efficiency, you know, kind of lies. So, um, but yeah, curiosity, completely agree more, except when it's my five-year-old and 18-month-old when they're dismantling everything in the house because they're curious. That's the unfortunate byproduct of the younger years, but, but I could not ask for a better characteristics of, of kids, you know, to see that early on. Exactly, exactly. We will close out here, and uh, I know everybody would love to consume more of the content stuff you're sharing. I know you got a YouTube channel and all kinds of things. What's what's the best place for them to kind of land on to to learn more about what you're doing, Rich? You go to getrich.af. That will take you to my personal page. That's a short a short link. You go to getrich.af, and then from there you'll find links to my YouTube channel, which I'd love you to subscribe to, uh, and you know my newsletter, all of those things. And then for a missing link to find out more what we do for a company, if you go to ineedmissinglink.com. Uh, it will tell you all about our public speaking program, our sales program, story seller, and all the different presentation stuff that we can help you with. Fantastic. And that was getrich.a is an apple, f is in Frank, af? Yes, as in as f. <laughs> Get rich. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Apple, Frank, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So make sure everybody got it down. The, yeah, because I've been to it and it's got a great job. It consolidates everything there of all the different resources that you can you can engage. So, well, been a pleasure. I've been a pleasure getting to know you, uh, you know, over the last year and opportunities to connect from an EO standpoint and uh, to dive into this content. I know our listeners are going to take a ton away from it. So appreciate our time together. Thank you, Brad. It's been awesome. Take care. This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistants and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com learn to learn more and use code automate 
to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process. 